This is Terror House Radio with Matt Forney and Bryden Proctor. Yeah, welcome to a Terror House Radio episode number 53. I'm Matt Forney, your charming and loquacious host and the founder and editor-in-chief of Terror House Press. My co-host and producer, Brian Proctor, will not be joining us for this episode. He is off mourning the uh, loss of his uh, dear beloved penis. It has disappeared beneath his fat folds, never to be seen again. Uh, we're all very we're all very sad about this this moment. So, moment of silence for Brian's penis. Okay, that's enough. Um, my guest for this program is Patrick Kilgore. Patrick is a poet, a writer, and most importantly, for the purposes of this interview, he is the author of Specters of Saturn, which is coming from Terror House Press this Friday. Patrick, welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. How you doing? I'm excited to be here. I'm very excited about my book coming out on Friday. Yeah, I'm excited too. I'm, I'm super excited. You can hear it in my voice. Um, but I do this with every first time interviewee because I always want to give them a chance to, you know, I don't want to put words in their mouth. So for the people in the audience who don't know who you are, Patrick, could you just kind of get the Cliff Notes version of yourself, your work, that kind of thing? All right. Well, my name is Patrick Kilgore. I write prose mostly and short stories right now. I am working on my first novel. I'm about a third of the way through it, I would say. Um, that's coming along pretty good. And I like to talk about sex a lot. I like to talk about love. And mostly just sex, honestly. <laughs> I am curating content for a pornographic journal. If anybody listening has any kind of lewd poetry, prose, or stories, you can send them my way. My email is in my Twitter bio. Yeah, there'll be a link to that. Uh, pornographic, uh, you're, curating, you're curating stories for a pornographic magazine. Uh, do you mind talking a bit about that? Because uh, I, can't, I can't let get that strand of conversation float away. No, okay, so there was a pornographic journal that ran in London in the 1880s called The Pearl that I stumbled across uh, at a little bookstore around my place that I just thought was fucking hilarious and I fell in love with the thing. And I showed it to a couple of my buddies and they thought the same shit I did that we got to do this. We got to make something in line with this but current. So we're currently creating and curating content for it. We are, let's say, 30, 40 pages through an erotic epic poem. That's turning out pretty nice. Damn, that sounds that sounds that sounds that sounds hot. That sounds hot. But yeah, if you want to if you want to contribute to this magazine, uh uh, all of Patrick's links will be in the description if you want to check that out. Um, but the the topic of this uh, of this uh, episode is, of course, Specters of Saturn. Uh, Patrick, you want to talk a bit about the that book? Um, you know, sell it to the audience. Yeah. So I wrote the book. I would say between 20, 2014 and twenty eighteen. And it's a collection of about 35 prose and poetry pieces of various topping topics, including takes on pop culture, sex, a lot of sex in there, uh, some violence, um, and a lot of scenic images of Appalachia. Let's just say that. It's a good way to describe it. Yeah, I mean, that's... Um... I mean, I don't want to dox you or anything, but that's that's where you're from, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of books. I mean, the second book's called Boogie and the Bird. Takes place in Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, I think it makes sense. Um, yeah, you know, I, you know, I've, I've, you know, we finished editing the book. It's, you know, it's going to be out on Friday. Um, I, I really like it. Obviously, uh, one of the one of the one of the motifs I noticed in, uh, you know, Specter Saturn is that you really, you know, kind of lean on the, sort of the. Uh, 
the the Roman uh, you know the Roman Greek mythology you know there's a uh, you know there, there, there's the, the centerpiece of the well, maybe you don't see it this way but it's definitely the longest piece in the book is uh, a poem called the the trial of Moloch and Dionysius um, uh, that's that's a that's a very interesting work uh, it was actually I believe yeah you actually did publish it at Terra House magazine last year there'll be a link to that in the description go go check out the excerpts guys it'll it'll really sell you on the book. Um, what was your kind of kind of thought process, and uh, you know, uh, you know, don't don't give away the plot, obviously, but uh, your thought process uh, in terms of uh, the subjects uh, you write about, uh, the, the subject matter you chose for uh, Specters of Saturn. Um, that was a dream I had that I decided to turn into a prose piece. The dream was embellished. Um, I wanted to add a lot of things in there to make certain points. But uh, I woke up, try to wake up around three or four in the morning every morning. It helps me dream better or remember my dreams better and go back to sleep after that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that piece was a dream that I had. I would think, um, man, oh, interpreting my own dream. That's a rough thing you're asking me to do there. Well, I mean, you don't have to get too deep in it. I didn't know that it came from a dream, you know. But that that, that is interesting. You said you woke up, you wake up at three and four in the morning to you know you know process dreams. Um, I think I think that's actually part of a, if I recall correctly, that's actually a part of natural human sleep process, processes. Like like the whole idea that you fall asleep at one time and you wake up, uh, you know, and you just sleep in one go is actually relative. That really didn't come about until uh, the invention of electricity. Prior to, uh, for most of human history, human beings uh, had a biphasic sleep pattern, which is you'd go to sleep, you know, uh, when the sun set, because, you know, at night, all you have is candlelight. Um, You'd wake up maybe around midnight or so. That time was used, uh, you know, historically couples would use it to, uh, you know, have sex or, you know, just chat. Uh, Then they'd go to bed again and wake up, you know, when the sun came up around five or six or so. It wasn't until... Electric light came around that, uh, you know, monophasic sleep became the norm for human beings. Um, but I, it makes sense that going back to kind of like that sort of natural sleep pattern would make it easier to interpret dreams, particularly, you know, in the early morning to kind of, you know, you're, you're still – because, you know, just, you know, with dreams – like I, I have a lot of vivid fucking frightening dreams, particularly these days, but I never remember them when I wake up. You know, that's just a typical thing. You know, it's very difficult to remember a dream when, uh, you know, when you when you wake up. Uh, you know, the, the famous example of a poem written from a dream was uh, Samuel Taylor Coleridge's uh, Kubla Khan. Um, the reason that poem ends so abruptly is because, you know, according to the story, you know, he woke, he, he, it came to him in a dream. He woke up, he started writing it, someone interrupted him, and then he just forgot the whole damn thing. Yeah, there's a good bit of dream poetry in the book, I would say. Uh, five or six pieces off the top of my head that I can think about. Maybe you can go through and see which ones you think for yourself. Um, I actually see, so your REM cycle of sleep starts pretty soon after you fall asleep. And for me, I was struggling remembering my dreams for the longest time. So I did some research in the best ways uh to help you recollect your dreams when you wake up in the morning and the method that i found that worked for me the best was waking up at four or five or three sometimes before i have to get up and restarting my REM cycle that way the dream was closer to the last time i woke up makes it more vivid makes it easier for it to remember it's a little tip yeah yeah and uh one tip one tip i heard years ago that i you know used to follow is that uh if you want to record your dreams, you should sleep with a uh, like a notepad and a pen uh, under your pillow or like with it in reach of you when you're sleeping. So that as soon as you wake up, you can just start writing things down before you forget. Yeah, I keep a dream journal. My one buddy actually, one of the friends of mine that I'm curating that pornographic journal with is the one that got me into keeping the uh, dream journal. He's very big into going through the dreamscape and all that astral projection shit. Yeah, I mean, have you ever uh, have you ever experimented with lucid dreaming? Um, you know, I've 
I've, I've dabbled in that a bit myself with, uh, you know, have you ever tried, say, uh, Looper, Blue Lotus or Hooperzine? Um, they can actually help a, a lot when it comes to uh, lucid dreaming. Uh, Blue Lotus, yes, uh, that one specifically. Uh, I I like to fly in my dreams when I get lucid. It's like the first uh, first thing I do always. And then after that, I like to decide what I want to do in the air. Uh, I went through a period um, two years ago, actually, where I was having trouble take off. That was a really difficult time in my life. That when I was lucid, I couldn't figure out why I couldn't fly. Uh, that's that's interesting. You know, any particular reason why you want to fly? I mean, this this kind of goes back. I think I heard it on the radio years ago, or maybe it was a. Com- I, I'm not. If someone wants to cite this for me in the comments, go right ahead. Um, but. There's a dichotomy between people who want to have the superpower of flying and the superpower of being invisible. Because the people who want to fly want to do all kinds of, like, heroic shit. They want to, you know, they want to have an adrenaline rush. They want to save people. Whereas people who want, you know, invisibility, they want to steal from stores. They want to, you know, look up women's skirts, uh, you know. So the joke there is that anyone who wants to be invisible is probably kind of a piece of shit. Um, now that, that's, that's, you know, that's one way to interpret it. Um, but, um, yeah, you've used Blue Lotus. Have you ever experimented with a uh, Hooperzine? No, I have no idea what that is. Uh, it's a, a nootropic, um, that's used for short-term memory recall. You know, I've used it, I've used it more than once a, you know, a few times. But if you take it about a half hour before you fall asleep, um, it really helps with lucid dreaming. Uh, the main issue with Hooperzine is that uh, your body develops a tolerance for it really quickly, so you can't use it every night. Um, I wouldn't use it more than, say, three nights in a row before taking a break. All right, that's some interesting shit. Can I just, like, get it through the mail, or is there some, like, if I go to one of the local hippy-dippy, like, uh, magic stores around, can I get it there? Do they Will they sell it in one of their little lost jars? Mm-hmm. They might, they might have it. I mean, I always just ordered it from iHerb, um, iHerb.com, uh, which has every kind of, you know, nutritional supplement you could think of. Um, and it's pretty cheap, too. I think you can get, like, a three-month supply for, like, nine bucks or something. Uh, I'm going to go. There's this little magic shop uh, downtown Pittsburgh. It's pretty nice. Uh, it's only open... Thursday, Friday, Saturdays from like four to eight. It's called Sparkle Dragon, I think. Uh, they have a pretty large selection of that kind of shit, so I'll probably go there next weekend and check it out. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's worth it's worth looking around the stores to see if they have it. Otherwise, I would I would just uh, you know get it online. But kind of going back to the topic of uh, specters of Saturn, you know, like like you said, a lot of your writing revolves around uh, around around sex. Um, you know, another one of my 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 st- favorite stand-up poems in the uh, in the uh, in the book is the dead egger. You know, which is uh, the the title the title kind of the title kind of gives it away for those of you who are you know into the memes. You know, we all know the egg meme. But Patrick, you want to talk a bit about that one? Yeah, uh, I was. What was I doing when I wrote that shit? I think I was listening to Mister Metacore. And he was just talking about how he saw that meme for the first time. And I thought it was fucking hilarious. And then there is this video that went viral. It was this this fat, white, blonde Karen woman. And she was there. I think there, she was in an ice cream store. And there was this younger couple that was pretty attractive. And they were ordering ice cream. And they were hanging all over each other. And she just went ballistic and started to throw a fucking nutty and scream at them and point in their face and tell them, stop having sex in front of me. You're having sex in front of me. And I just saw her have this breakdown and that poem just kind of came out of me. <laughs> just, just, just fucking, just fucking going, just fucking going nuts on the street. Just, you know, this, this woman with the fucking, uh, you know, dark circles on her eyes, the crow's feet, just a, just a ball of resentment. Oh, oh, yeah, and you know I had to rewatch that video again and watch your fucking hands to see if there was a wedding ring or any of that shit on there. Nothing, man. I could tell right away. Ah, uh, yeah, that's that's not much. That's not much. Of, that's not much of a surprise. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, 
seems seems a lot of the problems that we have in the you know society are caused by those types of women who just have nothing better to do than you know these are people who you know uh, you know a hundred years ago there's there's something to be said for the idea that you should just keep a woman continuously pregnant so that she can't get into trouble uh, these women have nothing going on in their lives who do you think's leading the fucking mask you know mask brigade? The fucking the fucking social distancing nonsense. These are these are you know HR man, man, you know mommy types who have they're tasting power for the first time in their lives after being ignored by everyone, and they're just and they're just reveling in it. They're just reveling in it, making us uh, you know obey all these kind all these ridiculous fucking rules. You know, you have the story of the old crone you know coming into town and robbing and stealing the children. You have the same thing going on now, but more metaphysical level, where you have these old crones, these old childless women coming in, and they're robbing the youth out of the culture and locking everyone down and making them stay in their homes and telling them, be old like us. Stay home. Do what we do. Stay the fuck home. Watch Netflix. You know, drink another wine box. You know, it's like that, it's like that New Yorker uh, cover with the, with the, you know, woman in the messy apartment with a mask yeah, and the unshaved wind legs. That shit reminds me of my damn profile picture of that cat smoking cigarettes in that messy ass apartment that I tweeted out earlier. Chick taking a dump. Yeah, yeah, it's dis- it's 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 depressing. It's it's disgusting. You know, it's um, and it's fucking it's it's pretty clearly uh, you know, driven by you know, like I said, the the total lack of power, the lack of sexual desirability. Obviously, that factors into it. These are these are women who basically you know have zero satisfaction in their lives romantically um and zero power whatsoever until now until now they get to uh you know they get to uh lord it over or lord it over the rest of us yeah i don't know man it comes down to the two things i think i was bored and it was funny that's that's what these ladies are doing they're getting their jollies out of this oh I'm yeah bored and it's amusing yes yes you know it's like you gave the example of the old crone stealing all stealing all the children. You know, it's like pretty much every you know classical piece of literature. If, there, if there's an old unmarried woman, she's never up to anything good. Like you know, there's never you you, you can't you the examples of like older women in uh, you know fairy tales and you know epics and stuff. Like it's never anything good. It's always they're always up to some kind of mischief. Always up to something, you know. Witches, you know, is a perfect example. You know, society is just, you know, run by witches. You know, they're not, they're not casting magic spells on us or fucking, you know, outright stealing children. But they're behaving in the same kind of malicious, uh, same kind of malicious patterns. Uh, there's just a general theme of all of the elderly robbing the youth of their vitality in this culture. Got the highest life expectancy ever, and I know that's because you don't have infant mortality and stuff like that. But still, it's an overall theme. I pay so much damn social security tax, man, it pisses me off, and I know I'll never see a penny of it too. Yeah, yeah. The uh, or if we see social security, you know, by that time, you know, by that time the currency will be so hyperinflated that uh, you know, my social security payment will get me maybe a. Maybe a candy bar if I'm lucky. Yeah, they'll get rid of social security soon because it's racist. That'll be the angle they use. All those old white boomers on it. It's pointless. Yes, yes, yeah. You can already well, they're already they're already pushing something like that with uh, with regards to uh, the stimulus checks. Like, uh, oh yeah, we're gonna pass fourteen hundred dollars stimulus checks, but we're gonna cut social services as well. So. You know, it's like uh, I'm. I'm not really. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not big into welfare and stuff like that. But it. It. it there's. There's something very sick, kind of sick about that mentality. You know, the government shoves everyone into their fucking house. People lose their jobs. Businesses go under. Um, and they're crying out for some relief from a completely artificial government created problem. And the government is like, oh, we can't give you something for free. You know, we, you know, we have to, you know, you, you can, you can have, you can have your social services or you can have, you know, the money that you need to pay your fucking rent right now. You know, it's, it's almost like blackmail. 
Yeah, it's going to be a big shit show, too, here in a month when all the rent has to get due. Everyone's getting evicted and on the streets. Um, I assume, yeah, I assume it's those are... Here, so there's this town, okay, or this street. It's called Grand Street in Pittsburgh. Uh, they built, built a bridge um, a decade or two ago there, so they had to take the road up to the bridge. There used to be shops along where the old war road was. They closed that down. So that's where all the homeless people in the city live. There's probably two, three dozen shops down there. It's going to double in population here in the next two months or so. I'm assuming I'm going to go down and look. Yeah, it sounds that sounds rough. I mean, my understanding was that the eviction moratorium was extended to like September or something, but I don't know. I'm guessing I'm guessing individual states have their own moratoriums in place that you know are going to go away soon. Yeah, and more so that too, but the eviction moratorium isn't affecting the renters as much as well. Yeah, I work with some that have some properties that are really hurting right now, really hurting. Um, well, yeah, I mean, because like you know, the renters aren't paying, you know, that means the landlords aren't able to pay their bills, so no, nope. and, and that's that's who's going to be getting hit in this. So, that's going to be that's going to be another cascading failure chain, and conveniently, you know. You know, all these all these foreclosed properties can be bought up by banks for cheap and turned into Agenda Twenty One mixed use developments. You know, we'll be we'll be hearing about the you know we'll we'll be hearing about uh, you know Amazon's or Facebook's uh, you know urban beautification project. Uh, Fifteen minute cities. They'll be providing they'll be providing uh, cheap housing for the homeless in capsule hotels in cities where you won't be able to leave without a uh, without your uh, your vaccine passport um, something like that we'll be stacked 30 deep in the basement of old rundown churches dude just no one's going to them anymore there's no money flowing all the old neighborhoods done they're not going to be in these hotels they'll just be in these renovated old townhouses yeah it's Living in closets. Yeah, I mean it's pretty it's pretty grim. You know, the, the situation's not great anywhere. I mean, you know, I'm in Mexico right now. It is it is stupid easy to get a uh, an apartment or a house in Mexico because even though Mexico never locked down and it didn't close the borders, you know, tourists, you know, they 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 stopped coming due to uh, you know, restrictions, fear of the virus, whatever. So a ton of people down here are hurting. Like I you know, I I'm I'm in an apartment. Um, you know, I got a permanent apartment uh, that would ordinarily go for something like a thousand dollars. You know, um, I'm going to be paying only like seven fifty a month for it, and it's a huge fucking place. I've got my own office, bedroom. There's a garden. You know, you know, washing machine. You know, all the utilities are included. Um, it's you know, it's an and it's in a nice part of town. Uh, so. Yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot of misery every uh, everywhere right now. Is the garden more important than the washing machine? I noticed you listed that first. Were you looking for a garden over a washing machine? Well, a garden necessary, washing machine mandatory. <laughs> well, I mean, I've had apartments with washing machines before. I've never had an apartment with a garden. You know, it's kind of a kind of a novel thing. Uh, plus, the the washing machine. Like yeah, I mean, plus the washing machine wasn't here when I got here. You know, it took a few days for delivery. Okay, so uh, I mean, I was. Did you grow anything, or did you walk in there and you pick anything, or is it just flowers? Um, there's there's nothing in it but grass and a few trees now. But I'm getting uh, I'm getting some gardening uh, books. Um, I'm studying up on the local uh, the local uh, uh, you know soil topography and all that. You know. My understanding is that Guadalajara is equivalent to USDA Hardy Hardy Zone Eleven, which is uh, like you know Key West, Florida. You know it's sunny here all the time. You know there's there's no snow or whatever. It's pretty pretty much warm year round. Um, not not a lot of rain. I'm I'm told it rains a lot in the summer, but there's I, there hasn't been a single cloudy day since I got here. So you know this is um, it, it's ideal to have like an all all year like you know weather weather garden. All right, so are you going for aesthetics or are you going to go for, like, some kind of produce yield and try to feed yourself? A uh, mix of both. You know, I want to have some flowers to kind of beautify it. And flowers are easy to take care of, you know. It's like it's it's easy enough to take care of flowers. But, you know, knowing how to grow vegetables probably probably useful. I mean, plus I did it as a kid. You know, my mom had a vegetable garden, you know. She grew, she grew lettuce, she grew tomatoes, you know. 
there were there were wild chives that grew in our backyard. So it's it's it's, it's something cool, you know. So it's 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 a hobby. It's it's something that you know, it's, it's something neat. Yeah, you should start with some houseplants, man. I got like fourteen here that I'm looking at. I think last time I counted, which was yesterday. Uh, there's a cactus and some parsley, and uh, houseplants are a good investment. That's a good start before all that other stuff comes in too, and you can get them pretty cheap. Yeah, I mean, I already I already have a house plant. Um, you know, I can I can always switch hey, up with some more. No, you need like twelve in every room. The whole place needs to be green. It has to look like a greenhouse in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm liking that. You know, it's like, uh, you know, I, I had a when I was in lockdown in Albania, the apartment I was staying in, the Airbnb I was staying in, had like a huge plant in the, uh, in the living room, and I, you know, I just, I just, that, you know, that plant was, uh, that plant was a nice touch. It, you know, kind of reminded me that there was a, there was a world outside of that, that fucking apartment. Um, it also, it also attracted, uh, these fucking, yeah, you bring a little... these fucking beetles. No, you bring a little life into your place. I mean, you're always going to get bugs, but. Just... Well, the beetles, oh, the, yeah. the beetles didn't really, didn't really irritate me. They were, you know, it was kind of, it's it mainly because uh, there was a tree right outside the, uh, the window and, uh, I was on like the, the fifth floor, uh, and, you know, the, the windows weren't the greatest. So, you know, it was kind of easy for bugs to sneak in. I remember there was one beetle that you know limped its way over to the uh, uh, over way to the couch. You, you, you ever seen like those flying bugs that you know when they're on the verge of death they can't even they can't even fly. When they try to fly, they just end up like hitting the ground. Like they're just they're just you know. And I was just fascinated watching this thing. You know, just just limping along, limping along. You know, clearly dying. Uh, I I eventually uh, you know. Whisked it into a uh, whisked it into a uh, a dustpan and put it out on my balcony so that it could be free, and where it probably died. Oh, I get a lot of ladybugs, and I, I find dozens, uh, sometimes up to a hundred ladybug carcasses in the window. It feels just dead in the summers, and I probably have to clean them up every week. I don't know how the hell so many get there. But it's absolutely ridiculous how many damn ladybugs pop up. And then there's a big problem when the cicadas come out of them covering the bridges. And sometimes they have to shut the entire entire bridges down because they're covered in bugs. And if you are uh, driving on the roads like driving on black ice, just because you're squishing all the damn bugs under your tires and there's so many, you slide. Holy shit. Just, just ladybugs? No, those are cicadas. Oh, cicadas. We have, we have, yeah, we have two cycles of cicadas that come out real bad every year. The mayflies aren't as bad as the cicadas. The cicadas shut the bridges down. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's that's fucking that's fucking uh, bizarre. Yeah. Um, but kind of, kind of, you know, I mean, I don't want to give too much away about specters of Saturn, you know, because you know you should all go buy the book. When it comes out on Friday, um, it's a it's a really good book. It's a, yeah, it's a really good book. book. It's fantastic. Seriously. Yeah, buy my book. It's a great book. You're gonna really enjoy reading the book. It's a wonderful book. I enjoyed writing the book, so you could buy the book. Yes, and also if you if you, so if, you if you if you don't buy the book, Patrick is going to get your book if you have one and light it on fire. Now, I'm going to piss on it first, and then I'm going to probably dump later fluid on it or gasoline, and then I'll light it on fire. <laughs> you're not gonna, you're not pulling any punches here. Uh, speaking of which, um, this is this is something I, you know, uh, some people may know know you from uh, from our uh, compilation published earlier uh, this year, ending bigly the many faith of Donald Trump. You wrote a short story for that called. Uh, Old man Trump and the uh, and the Tochka. Um, without you know, without spoiling that one, uh, I, I thought that was I thought that was that was one of my favorite entries. To be perfectly honest, you know, it was uh, kind of you know different in tone than uh, some of the other you know entries that ended up in that book. Um, uh, you mind you mind going uh, going a bit into uh, that short story? Yeah, Matt, I heard I heard you say on the podcast that it was your favorite entry. I, I felt a little stroked in my ego there, you know, but. Uh... 
So I tried to really capture the mood that I felt was going to hang around at the end of Trump's term with that story. Uh, I really liked um, Yasunari Kawabata's uh, The House of the Sleeping Beauties short story. Uh, and then also uh, Gabriel Marcia Gonzalez's Memories of My Melancholy Horror short, uh, book. Both of those very much enjoyed, and I kind of thought that would be a good angle to take the piece because it deals with a lot of uh, decay and, and kind of stealing youth that I was talking about earlier. And I felt like a lot of that and kind of the incontinence that comes with old age would kind of hang around at the end of the Trump Trump's term. Yeah, it's a, it's 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 an interesting one. I mean. Um, you know, you referenced uh, Memories of My Melancholy Horrors and uh, House of Sleeping Beauties, not that which I've read, but the tone really reminded me of like, you know, you know, I mean, this may just be the fact that it's set in Russia, but it kind of reminded me of like, uh, you know, Dostoevsky or even kind of uh, Kalama Tales, if you've read that. Uh, I read a lot of Dostoevsky, but uh, not not the second thing that you said. Uh, Kal Kalama Tales was a, a story memoir of one one guy's experience in a juvenile uh, prison during the Soviet Union. It was kind of basically imagine Solzhenitsyn, but like like not a faggot. Um, I'm I'm not a fan of Solzhenitsyn, uh, but like Kalama Tales is a really good book. It's just really raw and it shows just how shitty these prisons were. All right, well, you'll have to DM me that guy's name so I can uh, check him out. I can never spell the guy who I can let me let me Google it right now. I can never spell his name correctly, uh, but yeah, um, yeah. The name of the author was uh, Varlam Shalmov. There we go. It, it always confuses me because his name sounds he doesn't sound really Russian at all, but uh, you know. Uh, but yeah, Kalama Tales is a really, really damn good book. And uh, Old Man Trump and the Tachka is a really good story. And Ending Bigly, which you should also buy. Yeah, you should buy Ending Bigly to read my story in there. It's the best one in there. No offense to the other authors because all your stories are fantastic. There can only there can only be one after all. But Now... There was there was something you mentioned, uh, Patrick, before you we went on the show. There's something you wanted to talk about. To, I want to something that happened to you today that was uh, rather rather fucked up. You wanna you wanna share the details yeah, of that? Man. man, I had a shitty 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 day. Well, I I mean I had a shitty day, but this old woman had a really shitty day, and I feel bad for her, dude. I've said like fifty prayers throughout the day for this lady. So driving down the road, and I see this woman sprawled out on the sidewalk. So I hurry up and I pull over and I run over and she's just out of it. Woman was 81. Her name was Olga. She's old Russian woman. Um, old. I mean, she barely had an accent. I could, I could barely piece it out, but it was there. And she fell. She broke her wrist. And she probably broke her spine. And it was just a really shitty day. I had to hang out with her wait for her husband to get there in the ambulance uh luckily like 20 minutes into it though an old retired nurse came over and started taking care of her because i really didn't know i didn't know to do what to do pretty freaky situation like that but, uh, but luckily the ambulance came and took her away put her head in a little brace and you know, hopefully she was fine but she was woozy as hell and, and she fell her face was all bloody and shit nasty hell of a day dude i was driving around thinking about what the hell to talk about tonight and then that fucking happened and i'm just like yep there we go there's a fucking story yeah that was uh you know that was uh that, you know that sounds that sounds pretty rough you know i i haven't had a, i haven't had a great day either but you know nah, nothing nothing like that um you know i was uh yeah, I mentioned before you before the show that uh, you know I've been having electricity problems. Uh, you know my uh, the power company decided to do a brownout today, which uh, shut down everything in my apartment save for my computer and my internet for some reason. I don't know how that works. I'm guessing it's because they were both plugged to the search strips. And yesterday they did a fucking uh, blackout while I was in the middle of a work shift. So you know that was that was really fun. And not only that, you know not you know. Now, not only did this this did, did this blackout shut down my power, it shut down all the local cell phone towers. So, 
you know, I, I had to walk outside of my uh, apartment to even draw like a, a very weak signal. So the, Dude, you know, that you was had to walk outside of your apartment. Holy shit, that's awful. Like, yeah, that's a really hard thing. Yeah, it really it really scarred me. I'm I'm going to be I'm going to be I'm going to therapy for that. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, uh, you don't have to walk outside tomorrow. You can just hole up all day in your little screen. Yeah, uh, I wish I could be so lucky. I have to go to Walmart to buy so, to buy uh, to buy some uh, hardware tools. Um, I fucking hate Walmart. Do you ever read my piece in Expat? I hate Walmart about how much I fucking hate Walmart. I, I think I read that, but like the detail. Actually, just talk about it because uh, you know that'll make for better content. All right. Well, so I mean. Really, I'll just tell the damn story. I was a fucking Walmart leaving, and this old asshole, used to be, you know, where the greeters were, they're not greeters now. He stopped me. He wanted to look through my shit because he thought I fucking stole something. I was pissed off because that's just annoying. Like there used to be these nice old hi. Now it's this old fucking geezer that looked like Colonel Sanders trying to fucking pat me down. <laughs> And I was like, I fucking told him, I was like, look, dude, I didn't steal shit. Uh, you can call the cops and they can search me. I will wait here. I have nowhere else to be. I'm, 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 I'm just visualizing, I'm visualizing Colonel Sanders right now in like a, like a medical mask and like neon pink gloves. Just like, uh, you know, mall station, figure looking good. Colonel Sanders in that fucking big yellow vest, the safety vest that they all wear. Yeah. Yeah, this guy and and this guy was just fucking, you know, just fucking harassing you because he thought you stole something. Yeah, yeah, just just they like one of their jobs is to like check your receipt with your bags, like they do at Sam's Club and shit now, but they do it randomly, you know. And if you look sketchy, I guess I look sketchy. They go through my shit. It happens a lot sometimes. Uh, you're, you're muted. You're muted. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. I must have leaned on my uh, laptop. So I'll just restart that whole thing. <laughs> uh, well, well, at least it was, at least it wasn't a connection issue. No. Uh, yeah. So if it's an, if it's an old woman that asks to look through my stuff, I won't mind. Just, it's a little bit of a different energy if it's an old dude. And it's always the elderly that are doing this. It's this habit of them trying to slow you down and suck your life away and just go through your shit and just rub their grubby liver, liver spotted hands all through the stuff you just bought. Like it's still theirs. Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds, that sounds bad. You know, it's like, yeah. and again, you know, you know, I haven't been, in, you know, before coming to Mexico, I hadn't been in a Walmart for like five years. And the only reason I'm going there is because uh, I don't want to walk all the way to Home Depot. Um, and I'm, I'm just lazy. That's that's what it is. You know, and I will say that the, uh, the, the Walmarts here are marginally better than what I remember in the States. You know, like every Walmart in the States has, uh, I've ever been in, just has this uh, atmosphere of utter death around it. Um, here it's... Uh, a little, you know, a little less deathy, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's just convenient. My girlfriend's toilet broke, like, two weeks ago, and I had to go get a torch and some shit to solder the pipe, and uh, I went to, I should have went to Walmart, but there's, like, no Walmart around here. It's, like, probably uh, far away, and uh, so I went to Target. Nothing at Target. Figure Target would have something like that. Nothing. I Went to Harbor Freight. If you know what Harbor Freight is, it's a hardwood, uh, hardware store. They didn't have any fucking shit to solder. No plumbing stuff there. Had to go to Home Depot. Piss me off. I hate running around, man, to all these damn stores. Yeah, 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 I get that. Now, I will say there's one store worse than Walmart, and that's Kmart. I fucking hate Kmart. Yeah, Kmart's bad. I like Target, but Target isn't as, like, robust. There's not as much hardware stuff. There's not as much sporting goods stuff. Anymore. Well, t- Target is it. Target is a store for fucking women, basically. You know, it's it's something. 
you know, you know the whole jokes about Tarjay. You know, it's for it's 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 for upper it's for you know upper class strivers who want to look and feel sophisticated, but they can't actually afford to go shop at the high end store, so they go to Target instead. There's this Instagram account. Uh, it's uh, tar- it started as a Target fan account by this millennial girl where she would just go to Target and she posted her fine. She ended up getting like a quarter of a million followers and now has a freaking sponsorship from them. Uh, Ridiculous how that shit works. I mean, that's that's one way to hustle, I guess. You know. Um, conversely, you know, I, I, I'll be starting a new project called Dead Kmarts in which I go around to every closed Kmart in the country because there's a lot of them. I'm not even sure if uh, if Kmart is still around as a brand, uh, and and just laugh. I'm just gonna laugh. Um, I I hate Kmart. I worked at Kmart as a teenager. One of the worst jobs I ever had. Yeah, did you have a bad boss? Is that why you hate it? Uh, the boss is kind of buried. I had one just cool bad management. I I had one cool boss, and then he ended up in the hospital because uh, at his New Year's Eve party. Uh, the in his house, the stairs to his basement and the stairs upstairs were right next to each other, and he was a little tipsy at the party, and uh, he went into the basement thinking he was going upstairs, and he fell all the way down, and you know had a serious concussion, had to go to physical. It was, it was really rough, man. You know, we you know, you know, we all chipped in for his uh for his physical therapy. You know, but he was a cool guy. Uh, the guy, the the chick who replaced him was an absolute cunt. But the management wasn't the worst part. It was the fucking customers because. You know, even though this camera was technically in a suburban area, you know, it was by all the bus lines, so we got all the fucking, uh, uh, all the fucking riffraff, you know, so, you know, fights were pretty, pretty common, you know, uh, the customers were incredibly rude, and also it's just difficult, it's, it's difficult working in a Kmart, there's a reason why Kmart fucking, you know, went bankrupt and had to close all its stores. Um, technologically, even back then, this was, uh, I worked at, when I was a teenager, so this was like from 2005 to 2008. You know, I got I got fired as a result of the recession, which was uh, kind of a blessing in disguise. Uh, Kmart was technologically and you know choice wise miles behind everyone else. You know, we were still using old MS DOS computers, uh, cash cash registers to ring people up. We were still doing shit on paper when everything else at every other uh, chain was computerized. Uh, we never had anything in stock. Uh, the only good thing, the, the only thing I really liked about that job was that it was very easy to steal from the back room. So I just, I would just do that to Nick energy drinks all the time. <laughs> Fuck them. You know, boss makes a dollar. I make a dime. That's why, I, that's why I steal full throttles on company time. I had a friend who used to manage a grocery store. It's a now defunct chain, local chain of grocery stores. Big manager guy, he just would smoke weed in the bathroom all day. All the coworkers, that was the whole store. They went under now, so yeah, I bet you can't can't guess why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't 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 sound good. Doesn't sound good. Um, you know, and to this day, I refuse to fucking shop at Kmart. You know, um, and I swear to God, even in like you know, the, you would occasionally encounter Kmart's in nice areas, and even then, they're still fucking depressing. Like there's a, it shocked me to find out it's probably gone now. But there's there was a Kmart at uh, what was it U- Penn Station in New York City? Like they just have a huge Kmart as part of the uh, of the uh, the Lear the Lear Terminal, and you're surrounded by. Still... Sorry, I haven't been there. I said, is, is it still there? I haven't been there in like, like you years. know. I I have no idea. I haven't been I haven't been there in like uh, you know five years. But like they they have a Kmart the Lear Terminal. It's surrounded by all these high end fucking you know it's a super nice you know. Uh, not the nicest part of the station, but like you know, they've got all the nice stores around, and you walk to the Kmart, and it's like you're transported uh, right into the middle of the whitest white ass ghetto. Oh, uh, you, you ever been to a Trader Joe's? Uh, yeah, I used yeah. to. Sh- I used to shop at Trader Joe's when I lived in Chicago. It's not a bad place. Oh, really, man? Trader Joe's around here. You get you get the trashiest of the trash there, and the lines are out the wazoo. I mean, 40, 50 people every time I drive by. I don't understand why these people are waiting in line like that. Well, that's a, that's a bit of a shock because I always thought Trader Joe's was kind of a kind of a high end retailer. Like, uh, like it's not Whole Foods tier, but you know, it's a bit up there. But then again, the one I shopped at was uh, 
I, I lived in Chicago. The one I shopped at was in Evanston, which is, you know, that's where Northwestern is. It's a very rich area. Oh, well, that, that might be the different one, the one that's downtown in the city, because every time I drive by that thing, it's just not friendly people. Yeah, I mean, you know, the main reason I like Trader Joe's is because it was, you know, it had everything I needed, but it was also small enough that I never got lost. I always get fucking lost in grocery stores. I, 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 I Some of it is just my lack of direction, and some of it is just like, I don't know. Brian and I have talked about this on the podcast, you know, how the pandemic has ruined the experience of going to a grocery store. One of, the, one of my favorite things uh, when I go to a new country, you know, I've, I've uh, you know, you know, I've done this uh, tons of times because I've been to tons of countries. I like going to the local, whatever local grocery store chain they have, and just walking around in awe at all the things you can buy. You know, I've done that with, uh, I did, I did that with like the spar supermarkets in you know, Hungary. You know, you know, I walk, I would walk around the Carrefours in Georgia and Armenia, just like, oh my god, they've got, they've got Armenian sausage. Oh my god, they've got, they've got, uh, they, they've got an entire mayonnaise aisle. You know, stuff like that. Um, and, uh, you know, Trader Joe's was helpful in that because, uh, you know, when, eventually you have to stop, you know, gawping, you know, gawking and like actually buy something before they close. So, uh, Trader Joe's was helpful in that because it's impossible to get lost in a Trader Joe's. I get lost in any grocery store I'm in. I have a horrible sense of direction. Anywhere I go, I get lost walking from the bedroom to the bathroom in my own house within two months of being there. I mean, dude, it's awful. Everyone's lacking that one thing of intelligence, or maybe you don't think you are, and that's the one thing you're lacking is self-awareness. But for me, it's my sense of direction. I have the GPS even like... I, I move or my friend moves. It takes me anywhere from four to six months of finding a place. I have no, no conception. Well, I mean, mine is kind of bifurcated. Like outdoors, like I can find my way around pretty easily. But like if I'm in a big store or wherever, like I can't find shit. You know, my my usual ritual is, uh, you know, Whenever I go to not even just a supermarket, but like a Best Buy or something, you know, I'm usually I'm usually the guy, still you know, wandering around in circles for twenty minutes until I find what I'm looking for. Um, consciously trying to avoid talking to the clerks because they're all so fucking annoying. Yep, dude, I walk around the parking lot too for a good ten to fifteen minutes if I'm by myself. Afterwards, never find my damn car. Never forget, especially if I'm like going to two stores in the same plaza. That's the worst. So I walk out of the second store and I'm like, okay, where the fuck did I park? And it just never works. Oh, um, see, it would, it would be better if I changed the battery on my car keys, like so I could just click my beeper. But uh, that involves me going to Walmart and getting a car battery, and I always forget about it. Yeah, that would. Uh... You know that's you know that's helped me in the past where I owned a car, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's 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 not great. You know, uh, yeah, I always I always I always misplace my car in the fucking parking lot too. You know. Yeah. So, first date, my girlfriend. I turned down a what was it? A bus lane? Yeah, a bus lane. Or a, like a bus only lane for like five miles, dude. Got pulled over by the cops. I mean, I have a piss poor sense of direction. There are like forty signs. Completely ignored them. Might just be oblivious. <laughs> the guy was like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "Oh, we're just driving around looking for a place to eat." And he's like, "Well, there's uh, no restaurants here. This is the bus only lane." And I was like, "Oh." He goes, you really didn't know there's like five giant signs. Like, no, we've been uh, we've been just chit-chatting. He's like, oh, okay. He was a real pal though. He let me off. So uh, I was with a girl. I acted real nervous like I was trying to impress her. That was that was that was that was a nice one, you know. You know, I I would have figured he would have stuck you with the ticket just to be an asshole. Yeah, he was uh, real cool about it. I don't know. Sometimes you get you get a nice one. 
Oh, yeah, so, you know, maybe you respected the bro code. You know, if you were, you know, you were with uh, your your girlfriend, you know. Um, I was giving them, I was giving them the eye things like, don't do this to me, man. Don't ruin this for me. Like I'm on this date with this girl. I, I like emphasize the, res- the first date. Respect the bro code, man. Respect the bro code. Yeah, it's yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I. I haven't done well. I haven't. Uh, I haven't been behind the wheel of a car in the longest time. But I, I yeah, me talking, me talking in a car is a is a recipe for disaster. Not because I'll get lost, because I'll, but because it'll be difficult for me to fucking, uh, you know, avoid crashing into shit. Uh, my favorite example was uh, I. I have a friend. Um, I don't think he does this anymore, but he used to. He would record podcasts in his car, uh, just because he was, you know, he was, you know. He was so busy, he didn't have time to sit down and do it. Uh, do it. Uh, do it in his house. So he'd record in his car, and I tried doing yeah, it doesn't, that. Doesn't Bibles, doesn't Bibles do that shit? Well, Bibles is a mad. Well, like, technology is advanced. Like you know, this guy recorded podcasts in his car like around 2013, like 2014. You know, back then it was a pretty. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, it was. It was. It was much more difficult yeah, to do I, it back well, then. To hook your Xbox up back then. Yeah, you know, like Bible Bibles is a master of it, but like there was no way to be a master of it back in twenty twenty thirteen. Uh, you know, when when there was no real good equipment to do it with, and recording the podcast just consisted of setting your uh, setting your phone on onto the, the the cup holder and just yelling as loudly as you can. Uh, depending on what car you have, you know, I once tried. I once tried the first time I tried the you know the the podcast and the car method was. When I was driving around Iowa covering the uh, caucus uh, in 2016, and uh, I had to get that up pretty quickly because I was I was driving this this ridiculous hybrid clown car with a with an engine that sounded like a uh, it sounded like a bunch of bumblebees having an orgy inside of a vacuum cleaner. It was too, so fucking loud. Yeah, just you know, going me going eighty miles an hour, uh, an hour down Interstate eighty was uh, it was not fun. So I just I gave up on that project pretty quickly. The next time I tried to record a podcast in the car, I was driving from uh, I was driving from Chicago to Cincinnati in a uh, you know I forget what car it was, but it was a normal car with like a normal engine, um, and I had to give that up because I was so distracted trying to record the damn pod. Well, first off, I had like three false starts because I kept fucking it up and stuttering. And like or whatever, because I was trying to focus on the road. Uh, then I finally got into a groove, and I was, you know, successfully recording it. And then I, I hear a honking next to me, and I realized I had been swerving through lanes to the point where the guy in the left lane had been forced to fucking drive off into the shoulder, right up against the Jersey barrier, uh, almost crashing his car basically because I to avoid me swerving into him. So. After that, I was like, "Yeah, if I if I try and keep this up, I'm either going to get a ticket or I'm going to get in a car crash." By the way, you should go listen to Bible's podcast. You really you really have to appreciate uh, uh, the amount of mental fortitude it takes to do a good podcast and not crash your car. Yeah, Bible's podcast is is very good. I enjoy listening to it as well. You should check it out. Uh, dude, I have so many car horror stories. I, I am awful behind the wheel. I actually failed my driver's license test the first time, so that's just not good. Oh yeah, I I I, fa- I, fa- I, I think I I think I think I failed my t- my test like three times before I passed it. I had the engine blow up on me in the truck like probably three weeks ago. Smoke me out of the inside. I had to get shit on the side of the road. That wasn't a fun experience either. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty that sounds pretty awful. I haven't had any disaster stories like like yeah. that. Thank God. There's a there's a good book in the uh, there's a good bit in the book I'm writing now called Rapid Apple Decline about my hatred for the roads. Dude, there's so many damn. You should pull up Pittsburgh on Google Maps, and look how fucked all the roads are in this city. They're all run one way because they couldn't expand them after the horse and buggies. 
and there's still bricks most of the roads from you know 250 years ago 300 years ago 200 years ago and it's shit it's shit you should look at the map it's it's the worst place in the country for driving it really is I mean, that no, that doesn't that doesn't surprise me too much. Uh, you know, we've got. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, New York City is famously bad for driving. Like, yeah, I wouldn't take a car anywhere in the city limits there. But like all these eastern cities with, uh, like the narrow roads that, like you said, were designed for horse and buggies, are really unbearable to go through. Like Chicago's actually not that bad for driving. They've got bad traffic jams, but like the roads are normal sized and shit. Uh, but yeah, like the East Coast, you're pretty much fucked. Yeah, all the Uber and Google and a bunch of other companies have their self-driving car headquarters in Pittsburgh, and they're training them on the roads. Same <laughs> driving all the time. Well, that would that would make sense this, if they if they can survive if they can survive Pittsburgh, they, they survive it. anywhere. Yep. Yep, that's the logic. Yeah. We actually had one crash and kill a lady, and they had to stop the project for a year. But now it's back up. I don't know how that happened. Uh, I, I assume they went worked. I, the, I, 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 I know how that happened. But. Yeah, it involved it involved large, generous uh, sums of money transferred into the bank accounts of local yep. politicians. Yep. Lots of money. That's exactly how it happened. Ah, uh, yeah. So Any, sorry. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh, I was just going on about stupid stuff. It doesn't matter. Okay, so uh, I have another book coming out, Boogie in the Berg. That'll be out later sometime at an unreleased date. That's a collection of short stories about life and love and romance in Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's being published by this company that's you know you may have heard of. It's called Terror House Press. I hear they're cool. Yeah, I heard they're pretty cool too. Uh, I don't know. Guy runs. It seems like uh, he's got a good taste for books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Boogie and the Berg will be coming. Uh, I'm not sure when, but like you know, we'll update you that on. We'll update you on that on Twitter and shit. You know, assuming we don't get banned and fuck, uh, fucking shit like that. But yeah, Boogie and the Berg will be coming out. Anyway, we're coming up on an hour here. It's been a, been a fine conversation, Patrick, but uh, you always got to leave the audience wanting just a little more. Um, so I think this is a good place to uh, to wrap it up. Uh, Patrick, is there anything you want to plug, any any projects you're working on? You've mentioned a novel you're writing and anything you want to you know, mention before we close the show out? Yeah, so I am currently curating content for a pornographic journal. It is called The Peach. A journal of facete and lecherous reading. I am looking for art, boudoir, I am looking for poems, prose, short stories, and we could serialize novels if you have any dirty pornographic novels. He's looking he's looking for he's looking for sex selfies. He's looking for gay porn. Looking for anything you have, any porn, good porn, send it to me. But uh, not not like uh, actual selfies, just just the stories and shit, and maybe some drawings. I don't want to see your dicks. Don't send me your dicks, please. Yes, uh, no no dick pic dicks. Plus that's you know it's just rude. Um, but anyway, yeah, you can uh, you can uh, contact Patrick for that. His information will be in the description. Uh, of course, you can. Uh, your Twitter handle is Crowned and Motley, right? Uh, you're muted again. Uh, okay, you're you're not muted anymore. No, okay. So, um, yeah, my my Twitter is crowned in Motley, and my email is Kilgore at wholeguy dot com. Definitely, man. Go 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 check uh, Patrick's workout. You know there will be links to uh, all that in the podcast description. Of course, you can buy Specters of Saturn. It'll be out Friday. Um, by the time this podcast is up, uh, we'll probably have uh, pre-orders ready. Uh, sub uh, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, subscribe to the newsletter. I mean, uh, you can go to terrorhousepress.com. There'll be a link in the description, and you'll be able to pre-order the book and get a coupon code to save a little money. 
So, uh, you know, that's, 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 you know, go, go check that out. Uh, Specters of Saturn, really great book. All of our books are great, but Specters of Saturn is really good. And of course, all these, you can always, you could, you should also pick up, uh, Ending Bigly, The Many Fates of Donald Trump, which includes, uh, the short story we've talked about, uh, by Patrick in there. But yeah, it's all good. Gotta check it out. And of course, you can always find me at, uh, mattforney.com. That's my website, and all of my links will be in the description. And I'll do it for this episode of Terror House Radio. Be sure to check in every day at Terror House Magazine, terrorhousemag.com, for our latest publications. Our books are at uh, Terror House Press, terrorhousepress.com, Specters of Saturn by Patrick Kilgore is coming this Friday, March 5th. Uh, you can follow our social media links in the description. And, of course, you can always check out our uh, latest episodes of the show at terrorhouseradio.com. Terror House Radio is produced by Brian Proctor and presented by Jugs. Intro music by Meme Extremist. Illegitimate on cover random. Don't the bastards grind you down. I'm Matt Forney with Patrick Kilgore, and we are. Out.